1: Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the
0: Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs>
2: You're talking like I'm fifty. Taylor, Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to the Do Zone with Drewski on Apple
1: Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. He takes everybody on. is. From Lionel Messi, to Marta, to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimović's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair.
3: What's
1: up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by BetOnline.ag and Ladder. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius, and Lakers basketball is back after over four long months. We finally got to see the Lakers scrimmage. It was a 108-104 loss against the Dallas Mavericks, but it was very much like a preseason game, as you'd expect a scrimmage to be. LeBron and AD both played 15 minutes, looked excellent in the minutes that they played, then sat in the second half, Uh, but... Man, it was just good to see basketball back. Good to have that uh, that whole experience. Great to watch the game with with you guys on Twitter. We're gonna talk about what we saw, uh, Darius. The first thing that stood out to me is like they didn't look half bad, man. Like that was not nearly the rusty, you know. Like they, it, it was very obvious that you know everyone in Dallas too, right? Like yeah. that that was not a some terrible basketball game, right? And uh, they're in good shape and everybody's healthy. It's funny, like. One aspect of this is going into the playoffs, how often is pretty much everybody healthy? It, almost never. I mean, actually never, right? And so this idea of everybody's bodies having all this time to rest and then having the chance to work out and all of that, like I, I think there's a chance for some really high-caliber basketball in this last, you know, stretch and into the playoffs, even though they, they may not have rhythm, I think them feeling physically good. Like I saw the guys with a lot of pop. Just what did you see from the athletic athleticism? You know, the ability to move around the court. What did you see in terms of just that, along with the timing and the other aspects of you know being off for a bunch uh, for several months?
3: Yeah, I think from a physical standpoint, everyone looked good to me, man. Like. Everyone looked like they had the requisite energy, and even wind, which I didn't necessarily mm-hmm. expect. Right, like I mean, I saw
1: Dudley and Dion, and even Jr. kind of huffing and puffing a little bit, sure at, at times. But
3: well, yeah. pick out the three guys who would typically have wind issues mm-hmm. as well, right? Like um, those guys aren't necessarily um, bastions of of or endurance athletes i should say and jr especially someone who hasn't played in over Mm -hmm. two years right Right. in terms of um nba basketball at least um but i thought everyone looked good man and and honestly it's something i got from wednesday's scrimmages as well right like Mm the one of the trends I saw up and down my Twitter timeline and something that I thought when I was watching the Wednesday games, which I think carried over to the Thursday games and, and the Lakers versus Mavs game as well, was just it looked a lot cleaner than what I expected for guys having this much time off, right? And what's interesting about that is normally when you re- – when when it's the preseason or when guys come back from training camp, there are varying degrees of where guys were from when their season ended to when the preseason starts, right? Like some guys ended in the middle of June. Some guys ended in the middle of April. And there's this wide varying array of where guys were even physically at the end of a normal season right Mm -hmm. with the stoppage everyone basically stopped at the same point right like there were games Mm -hmm. one day and the next day there just weren't And, and and while guys were nicked up and and you know anthony davis was banged up maybe a shoulder maybe some guys had had some tweaked ankles or like or whatever guys were in the thick of it Right, They were mm-hmm. ramping up towards the end of the season, especially all most, if not all, of the 22 teams who are in Orlando now because all of those teams had playoff aspirations in like in sight for them. And, mm-hmm. and I think what you're seeing is these teams that came back really did have a focus to them about what they were going to be about when they came back to Orlando to, for this Reese well for this restart and on from the Lakers specifically, I thought that was really clear with LeBron and Anthony Davis, man. Like I thought LeBron looked great. Like what were you seeing yeah. out there from, from him specifically? Because there were several things that stood out to me.
1: It was just pace and power. And whenever he wanted to drive to the basket, he did. Um, he, He looks really strong. That even above anything else, just he was really physically imposing. And that was, I think, you know, if we're talking about, this is an unlikely playoff matchup. It's part of the reason why Dallas is scheduled. Um, But you saw some of the, athletic mismatches that i think really permeate a lot of the western conference between lebron and anthony davis i think having those two guys with all of that time off and with time to work on their bodies and work on and to heal and all of that you really saw a lot of the like lebron like oh, i got justin jackson on me i like i'm gonna be able to abuse that if uh, dallas is switching and ad's got i think he had uh w- Dorian Finney-Smith on him on one play, uh, or no, I'm sorry, it was Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah. on one play on a switch, and uh, just really physically overwhelmed him. Uh, that that was a lot of what stood out to me amongst the superstars, is just how physically dominant they looked, even by their own very high standards in that respect.
3: I, I guess, so you and I talked a fair amount about what we sort of anticipated from LeBron coming back in in terms of of readiness and determination and focus and talking about it is one thing to sort of see it start to play out in just this first game and it's just just a scrimmage um I was impressed by how just how quickly he sort of acclimated to getting back out there and, and playing with playing with speed, playing with pace, playing with force. Um, you sort of expect that from LeBron in general, but after a layoff, I sort of still expected him to maybe come out and treat this a little bit more like a preseason game. But Yeah, it wasn't as casual as I would have expected. It was not. He— the, Like, the last three or four minutes of the first half, I saw him chase off of a screen. I saw him make a hard closeout. I saw him make a couple of backside, like, dive rotations, right, where it's his job to sort of cover the backside after the big man is is helping on on a drive. He got a couple of deflections and and pokeaways that way, And, and... he was just flying all over the court really in that last stint that he had on the floor. Mm -hmm. And maybe he knew that that was his last run of the night and, and he wanted to give it a little bit extra, but I was still just like, Oh man, like look at LeBron. He's really getting up and down the floor. I thought he was really pushing the pace whenever he saw daylight out there. Um, he got out in transition a couple of times. He had that nice breakaway dunk. Um, he had a really nice possession in that second quarter as well, where where he pushed the ball hard and then threw that lob to Dwight. Um, mm-hmm. Just a lot of stuff you would expect to see maybe in game three or four of the seeding games, except it was you know minute twelve of of the first scrimmage, and and, and I was impressed by it. And and maybe I'm drinking the Kool Aid here, but but it but he popped on screen to me in, in a way that um, you know is possible, but I'm not sure if I was expecting in this first game back.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, especially from an athletic standpoint. Uh, you made a comment about the Lakers' defense and some of the closeouts and things like that. That was one thing that watching this game, they had a stretch. I don't think people realize Dallas is a historically great offense this year. And the number one— Like, they're competing for, like,
3: yeah I, think time, they, right? yeah, I think they've got the. By net rating? Yeah. Or by offensive rating? Yeah. Or like by I, offensive
1: rating? I'm sorry. Yeah, I
3: think yeah. they've got the best offensive raid rating ever with this yeah, year's offense. So they're a top, it, it, top, top flight offense.
1: And there were. No, again, it's, you know, danger drawing too many conclusions from one game, but it isn't just one game in that the Lakers were at their best when they look like they have five and a half or six guys out there, right? Defensively. And everyone's rotating and flying around. They didn't have Caruso for this one. Who's a big part of those rotations, but that, they really turned the screws on that Dallas offense in, uh, you know, Dallas came out hot. They had 11 points before we even blinked and, you know, Seth Curry was on fire the whole game. Boban gave us issues. It's funny, Boban always gives Dwight issues because Dwight is not used to playing somebody who he's not a lot stronger than. Uh, That's always a funny matchup. But the Lakers really defensively went on a nice run that led to an offensive run as well, right? And that's something that it was like, oh, I remember this team. I remember that. And it was a lot of fun. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the smaller parts, specifically the ball handling, replacing Rondo, what the team looks like without LeBron on the court and some of the guys who absorb some of that responsibility. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Ladder. Ladder was founded by LeBron James and Arnold Schwarzenegger to change the way that supplements are made. They worked with the top scientists to formulate a line of clean performance products. Unlike other supplements, every batch is tested by a third party to verify the highest standards for quality and safety. I just received my Ladder package in the mail recently, and I tried out the Strawberry Lemonade Pre-Workout Powder. I was impressed by how long it kept me up and alert without the crash at the end. I was able to stay alert through my workout and into my actual work. And that's Ladder's goal, is to help you unlock your best in any situation. Right now, that means access to special offers and expert advice from their community. Use code LAKERS20 for 20% off your first order at ladder.sport. That's LAKERS20 for 20% off your first order at ladder.sport. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight, or check out the odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? BetOnline has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, Darius, uh... Properly reminded me over the break, we need to get to A.D. too. A.D. Uh, was similarly dominant to, to LeBron. He, uh, you know, dominated with his size defensively, he had a couple of beautiful closeouts. Um, what what did you see from A.D. in the, those 15 minutes, 12 points, you know, rebound and assist, a couple of steals, plus 10 uh, in that action. But what do you see, you know, with your in terms of what he was able to produce on the court?
3: So in the same way that LeBron popped to me from a physical standpoint, just in terms of burst and athleticism, um, I was sort of surprised by how smooth AD looked after Mm -hmm. having so much time off. You and I had sort of talked about um, how... Teams or even necessarily players who rely a lot on, like, timing or finesse in, in a lot of ways that they may have a harder time um, getting back into things with this sort of restart, right? And in his own way, while Anthony Davis is certainly an imposing player in terms of size and athleticism, he can also be a finesse player player in Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and there is a timing to his game um that i think is one of the strengths (laughs) for him based off of the fact that he's able to move and flow in and out of moves the way that he does at at his size and i don't know about you man but like he looked really really fluid Fluid. out there Mm -hmm. with his jumper um just the timing with his footwork and, and how he was moving around the floor both offensively and and well and defensively there were a couple of times where he just sort of you you know turned and jabbed and then went into a dribble move and then a pull-up jumper the way he stepped into a couple of threes he just looked like all of the timing stuff was was really close to where you would want him to be, mm-hmm. and and it's super early, and and that to me was was just like, oh, hey, right, Anthony, yeah, Davis. like I, like I didn't expect them
1: to turn into a pumpkin over the last four months and lose their abilities and just be, you know, totally rusty. But I I didn't expect this. Like there was one play where I forgot who kicked it out to him, but he attacked a closeout on a three. He like shot fake. Uh, attacked and someone rotated to to cut him off and he shot like a turnaround jumper and drilled it it's a difficult shot it's not one that you necessarily want all the time but the the timing and the like that's a hard shot that's a big time shot like even in, in these circumstances uh, the ability to hit that in the context of a game like that's a really high end shot I was like wow you know and there's he had a great closeout on the right wing on a shooter um that was something, again, the the timing on the closeouts, not really from our perimeter guys. Like I thought Dion struggled with this a little bit. KCP was late on a couple of closeouts. But our bigs especially uh, closed out to the three-point line particularly well. Dwight had some nice ball denial on the perimeter. Kuz had some nice defensive possessions. Uh, I thought our front court was really locked in defensively. And yeah, just AD's timing and understanding of, not just understanding, but like, yeah, that timing of rotations was a lot crisper on the defensive end than I thought it would be.
3: Yeah. He just looked like himself out there and Mm -hmm. you, you know, maybe I'm grading on a curve a little bit here. Um, and just like you, it's not like I, I expected these guys to come out and walk around, like their shoes are untied or anything like that. Right. But, Mm -hmm. but I did expect a little bit of rust. I did expect for them to maybe take it a little bit easier at times. Um, and sort of treat this game truly like a scrimmage or an exhibition. Maybe it's the fact they were actually wearing their game jerseys, right? Which is something sure. I thought on on like Wednesday that if these guys were actually wearing practice gear, maybe they wouldn't have been go go <laughs> as hard. But they looked like regular guys out there, just sort of um, you you know like oh, this is. This is like a regular March game instead of a game that they haven't played since March, and and you got to figure that July. they
1: missed it too, right? Yeah, like they they've this is what they do. This is the longest they've gone without playing competitive five on five basketball. So let's like you know they they were just as excited about this as we were on some levels, I'm sure, right? So, um, but yeah, there were those. So, but now there's those components of you know how are we building toward the the seeding games and then the playoffs with the biggest issue being how do we replace the ball handling of Rondo, right? Or how, what does it look like without Rondo and Avery Bradley? We talked a lot on the last pod we recorded about the ability to dribble and what would, you know, how the Lakers would be challenged. One guy that uh, I was really impressed by was Dion Waiters. I thought he was Really fantastic, not just from a you know he's got his pull up jumper he he hit a couple he missed a couple but he had a nice a couple of nice drives and dishes uh, dump offs like put pressure on the front of the rim uh, He hit a buzzer beater three as a spot up shooter uh, what do you see from waiters in this this first game?
3: Um, I liked a lot of what I saw. Um, you you know we had talked about the types of teams that could give the Lakers issues with a guy like Rondo being being out and Dallas is not one of those teams. They are not a ball pressure team. Um, They're not a particularly strong defensive team in general, but that's particularly true out on the perimeter, right? Like Mm -hmm. they start Luka Doncic and Seth Curry. And, um, and I think they're without Dorian Finney Smith. Right, Right. Right. Who is one of their better wing defenders in general. And so, and then they come off the bench with like JJ Barea and and guys who aren't necessarily going to get up in to your dribble. And so I thought this was a particularly good game for Waiters to sort of get his feet wet a little mm-hmm. bit because the Mavs are not necessarily a team that that's going to pressure you out there or turn you full court or or even pick you up hard in in the half court in in a way that that bothers you um that said he did a lot of good things that you would expect a couple of you know shake and bake off the dribble pull-up shots he had that nice little step back jumper when he got switched onto a big um but the plays that did impress me most were the sort of playmaking plays that, that he made for other guys um you know the the dump off pass to Dwight that I think you mentioned, where Dwight mm. got the finish, um, where he where Dion drew two well, two defenders. That was a really nice, well, well nice play. He and he made a couple of other really good reads that didn't necessarily lead to a basket, but just showed that he had some decision making skill and and ability out there that I think is going to be important against. Playoff caliber teams. Um, overall, we, yeah. go ahead. No, he.
1: Um, he reminded me a little bit of Lance out there, right? With uh, he doesn't dance with it quite as much, but he does a bit, right? And uh, maybe with a better pull-up jump shot. But it's really nice to have a guy that can hit that pull-up off of those drop coverages, and uh, just we don't really have a type of another guard that does what he does so with rondo i think there's in part there's some of a one door closes another door opens here
3: i definitely agree with that and i and and honestly it's super interesting and i'll and i'll be super interested as well to sort of see how this plays out over the course of of not only the rest of these scrim scrimmages but over the eight C seeding games as well. You probably won't find a more polar opposite player to Rajon Ron Rondo than Dion Waiters. And right. if and if Waiters takes on, let's say even thirty or thirty-five percent of Rondo's ball handling duties when um, when these games start to get meaningful as sort of a backup ball handling guard um it's going to change it's it's really going to change what the lakers can and will do out there offensively just based off the fact that he's so different man like like when he sees that drop coverage coming off of a pick and roll he's able to shoot that pull pull up jumper like he he has a scorers mentality and and the the response of a defense to a player like that is just going to be different than what we've than what we've seen from opposing defenses how they respond to pretty much any other player besides LeBron who's had those duties with a second unit this entire season right because Defenses treat Rondo one way, they treat Caruso very similarly, they might even treat Avery Bradley and KCP in similar ways to those guys, right? Not necessarily as pass-first players, but not necessarily as guys who are so shot-creating, so so shot-creation heavy within their skill set, right? And, and that's what Waiter brings to the table, and, and it was just interesting seeing a guy out there like that. Um, take over so many possessions because the Lakers just haven't had a guy like that at all this season. And that responsibility
1: didn't just fall on him, right? It didn't. In the non-LeBron minutes, a lot of those touches, I'm talking more in the first half before, you know, the second half was a lot of the G League guys and all that. But in that first half, um, Kuzma absorbed a decent number of those that ball handling responsibility he's a guy you were talking earlier about timing and all of that like he made oh he made this one move where he he hit a smaller defender with a nice hesitation move it was one of the stronger like bursts I've seen first step bursts I've seen from him on the ball and he missed kind of a floater he should have had a layup or a reverse uh possibly on that I thought he pressed at times as a shooter and his Shot selection was not great. I thought he took some ill-advised mid-range contested jumpers. Um, but as a as a ball handler and passer, I th- thought we saw a little bit of the potential there. He had a, a lob to Dwight. He had a you know short rollish attack to close out. You know, lob to Javale that that converted. Um, he made some some nice reads there, but there were some issues as well. I'm curious what what did you see that he needs to work on do you think in those ball handling situations because i saw a few things i'm curious if you saw them too on like oh yeah he needs to do this a little bit better on the ball
3: i i mean the bigger picture thing to me in terms of when he was on the ball more was just still like decision making stuff Mm -hmm. it was pass shot decision making it was um making the read earlier a little Mm -hmm. bit right like Kuzma and this is a criticism I think you and I have have had with Kuzma over well, well, over the course of his career is is that he's sort of a my mind is made up player yes. um, and that doesn't always go very well when you've decided okay I know that they're going to go under here I'm shooting the pull up right mm-hmm. like that There are definitely times where that's going to work, but if you've made up your mind a little bit beforehand, you actually don't let things cycle and play out in front of you in in a way where instinctively you can then make a better play potentially. Um, Like there was a play even where it was um, Kuzma had ended up in the right hand corner, and it was the Lakers were moving the ball well, and it was swing, 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 Mm -hmm. and And Kuzma attacked the close. Well, Mm -hmm. he attacked the closeout hard. And yeah. and yeah. he really should have went up and tried to finish yep. and like mm-hmm. basically just rammed the ball home. Like the defense was rotating to him, but it was going to be a late rotation, and he just should have went up strong. Got to finish strong. Mm-hmm. But instead, right. he kicked it out to Waiters, who was halfway covered, and mm-hmm. and then it ended up being like a four shot against the shot clock, and there were things like that where I felt like he made up his mind halfway in, well, well, into that drive that the defense is going to rotate here and I'm going to kick it out. And, and he needs to sort of let things come a little bit more and rely more on his instincts because I think instinctively he does have good feel for the right play, but I feel like he too often makes up his mind a little bit too too early. So some of it to me is decision-making. But, but what about and you?
1: He- He'll do that as a on the other end, too. Like, there was a play early in the second half, so no LeBron, no AD on the floor, where he decided he was going to try to score on this play, but he wasn't open, and he, like, dribbled through and kind of held onto it and got caught and, like, tried to step through and missed a little floater. And, like, that was a play where was, if the first action doesn't work, like, just move it, you know, replace a perimeter position, but live to f- fight, you know... On another play right like you had your opportunity on this play move it on to the next guy type thing so those are like he made one lob read to dwight where he again what you said he decided i'm gonna make the lob to dwight when really the floater read by him was the right play that's one thing that this season and i'm curious to see how this particular storyline picks back up is he's gotten a lot better on defense i thought he had a really good game on the defensive end in this game um and he is trying really hard to make the right but he is such a free flowing and and rhythm type of player that he even up until the stoppage of the season was thinking too much right and like you said there's this also predetermination so maybe that's not thinking enough maybe i'm you know maybe it's not like reading and seeing what's developing in front and deciding, oh, I'm going to do this on this play. But if they're going to distribute some of those Rondo touches and just the very nature of what the second unit is like and how they play like, if Kuz is going to be absorbing some of those, he's got to be actually seeing what's out there and i think that he more than anybody else is going to be affected by the timing and the first gameness i actually thought athletically like he was moving really well that was something that stood out to me and that i think that is going to bear more fruit than you know kind of a crappy four for 13 performance
3: yeah and 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 honestly like did did he take a few bad shots that i thought he, he he shouldn't have taken sure guess what I'm also not new to the Kyle Kuzma <laughs> right. Like, right. Like, those are shots he's going to take. When those shots are go, going in, it can be like a Christmas Day game against the Clippers, or it can be that um, Boston game that mm-hmm. that that game that he had against Boston, right? Like, like that's that's the tantalizing part of Kyle Kuzma, and I think it's 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 why fans invest in him. It's also why fans are hard on him mm-hmm. and judge him harshly, right? Because it's in there. It's, the talent's there, yeah. And and he can be sort of a boomer bust sort of player. It's 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 what makes him super intriguing and potentially a real difference maker for this team. It's because the talent is there, the skill is there, and and as a finisher, offensively he can be really good. And as his defense improves and it has improved, he can be a really solid and even above that contributor to a really good, good team. Like we had talked before about some of the ways that Kuzma could step in for Rondo. And you had talked about um some chemistry that he that he has with Dwight will well, in the pick and roll and 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 how Kuzma can make one of two reads right or one of three reads he he can come off the screen and he can shoot the pull up he can come off the screen and he can get downhill and he can show the flow floater game and he can come off the screen and get downhill and then look for the lob right Well, he showed all of that this game it wasn't always successful but look man like we talked about waiters coming off the screen and hitting that pull pull up jumper Coos had one one of those mm-hmm. two right left With to right Dwight. crossover mm-hmm. he came across the screen right came he came to the elbow and hit a nice in rhythm 16 foot pull up jumper and that's an important shot man and honestly that's playoff a playoff shot yep mm-hmm. right and and him sort of getting some of these reps is important. It's important for him to get these reps. And and I'm happy that he was one of the guys that... Um, saw some of the distribution of those Rondo possessions and that he got a chance to do some of the things that he did in this game, even if it wasn't always successful and even if it always didn't go exactly the way that anyone would want. Him, the coaches, and us as people who are evaluating as as outsiders. Right? Absolutely.
1: Um, Quinn Cook had some nice run, but a lot of it was in that second half that was, you know, little less indicative of the type of lineups that we'll be playing. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on him going forward. The last thing I wanted to talk to you about, though, was the absence of Avery Bradley. And he's a guy who really did a nice job on Luka Doncic in in some of the stretches that he had. And in this game, we had KCP on him. And I saw KCP did a good job of staying in front, but I did see a lot of... Moments where KCP gets a little bumped off his spot, right? And you can see he's off balance because the, the physical difference, right? The strength difference. And that was something... Where do you think... How concerned are you with the that particular aspect, right? Like the, the strength of our on-ball defense in Bradley's absence? Because I thought we got the first taste of that in the KCP-Luca matchup tonight.
3: Yeah, I think it's going to be important, man. Like... um, this was said on the Spectrum broadcast that I was watching. Um, I'm I'm not sure what the NBA TV broadcast looked like, but um, the point was made that the Lakers performed really well in terms of wins wins and losses when Avery Bradley went down earlier this season. I think it was actually Trudell who made this point. You know, Bradley missed I think 18 games or something like that with that hairline fracture in in his knee and. KCP stepped in and did a great job, but things went sort of as as expected. The Lakers' offense improved and their defense got worse, right? And I think that's what's going to happen here. Like, KCP is going to provide better spacing. He's going to force teams to close out on him more um, as a spot-up shoe shooter. His movement as a guy who can come off screens... Um, not necessarily as like a great shooter in well, well in those actions but someone who's very capable of running those those types of actions makes the defense respond a certain way <clears throat> and that's going to benefit the Lakers but at the point of attack he's not the same type of defender as Bradley KCP I thought where I thought KCP did well against Luka um besides staying staying in front some was like in Chasing off of screens and fighting over the top, sort of, sort of dipping that shoulder and and using his his sort of slender frame to um, work around pick actions at at the point point of attack. Not only in pick and roll cov coverages, but in a lot of those handoff sequences that the Mavs like will will like to run. Right, and I think and and he wants to KCP will always jump. There's a space between the
1: screener. Or the guy who's doing the handoff and the guy who's receiving the handoff. And KCP is exceptional at like shooting that gap. And he did that a couple times against
3: Luke. Yeah. And, and, and so KCP brings different defensive strengths to the Lakers. They're not mm-hmm. the same as Bradley's. When those strengths are needed, I think we're going to say, oh, Casey, like his defense showed up in meaningful ways in this specific game. And in other matchups, we might say, ah, they really missed Bradley's strength. I think um, in a matchup against Luca, right, It's that's where the strength stuff is going to show up in potentially a matchup against Portland where maybe he's matched up against a player like CJ McCollum mm-hmm. potentially or maybe even Damian Lillard it, where they run but a lot yes, of flare yeah. actions, more handoff actions. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. KCP strengths might might be more meaningful in that type of, of a matchup, right? And, and that's where not having Bradley... Like, not having your full team matters there, right? Because you want to have right. all of those skills on the table to choose from, and the Lakers have removed one. And that's just going to be tough uh, in certain matchups. It's not going to matter every night, but I did think it showed up against Dallas.
1: It did, and... So, it's going to be something worthy of keeping our eye on. That said, they also had two more good players on the bench. Like, I, I know this sounds like <laughs> it doesn't sound like much, but one of the things I was struck by with watching waiters and even JR Smith, again, these aren't guys that, like, they can play. They can play at a high level. The Lakers have a lot of guys who, are like, dude, that's a good player. They had Alex Caruso on the bench. Markeef Morris is, uh, was on the sidelines as well. They've got a lot of different ways they can kind of reach in and if they need this particular skill set they've got somebody who can do it there are going to be some holes and i think that on ball uh pressure defense on both ends right like the ability to be physical with a guy at the point of attack uh We're going to be hurt by Bradley's absence and then the ability to handle that on the other end. But that said, the Lakers have a lot of different skill sets represented and we saw a lot of them tonight. They looked really good in the minutes that mattered uh, or at least the minutes where all our guys were playing. So... Really exciting. So glad to be back at this. Uh, Got another game at bright and early, 9 a.m. Pacific time on Saturday. Uh, We're going to be going back to twice a week, I think starting next week. Uh, And just really excited to kind of get to it. Basketball is back. Uh, Congratulations to everybody for getting through it. Um, And we're going to be with you the whole way. But you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast, and we will catch you next time.
3: The Angels got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on
0: his belly. Magic scores.
2: There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's in anyway, Lakers win the game? The Lakers win the game.
0: Gamble in and out.
2: The ball is tipped and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe White. 48 points, 16 rebounds. Performance by Kobe with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record.
0: A lot of Laker fans sticking around
2: for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed—a Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I know. Red Arbok is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you it. kidding me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple and a fall away in the corner with a shot lockdown. down. Lakers by three. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Beatrice jogging back didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two, one. missing. Unbelievable. Ryan. Yes.
0: And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult (laughs) to injury, Kobe.
3: I mean what a shot. I mean you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?